Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi and welcome to 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I, your host Giles Bidder, reveal the stories behind the previous part-time jobs of musicians, comedians and then some. 
This week, we have BBC DJ Jen Long, who you might know from being on Radio 1 and BBC 3. She's a bit of a legend, so she fits the category for the show, and was kind enough to meet me in a pub in King's Cross to discuss what she got up to before she was on our radios and TVs. If you've been keeping up with the show for the last few weeks, thank you very much. Thanks to my producer Joe and my hamster Abu Hamster and Bill the Turtle for keeping me company while I record these intros at home. Now, here's Jen Long to tell us what she did way back when. Signature Brew is the official beer of 101 part-time jobs. You've done some amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. You've done some amazing radio stuff. You've been on live TV. Yeah. I've watched you live on TV. Yeah, I wore your T-shirt. You did. You made me look very cool. <laughs> uh, but we're not here to talk about that. What did I do? Because um, when I was at uni, I was always doing... First year of uni, I missed out on getting a job when I first started because I was so starry-eyed at everything else going on. So I signed up to like one of those job agencies that put you on like one like Clean one-off ones. jobs, like silver service and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, so I turned up to do some like bizarre silver service thing at the like CIA. I don't think it's called that. I think it's called like the Metro Cardiff Metro Point Arena or something like that now. And um, I wasn't wearing... It was to set up. It was to set up for a dinner because I wasn't wearing black tie to set up. I wasn't allowed to do it. So, or like, you know, like black trousers and white shirt. So they got you and they got you there and then they turned you So I you literally went, turned up and I went to H&M before and spent like £10 on a job because I was like, well, I'm getting a job today. And then turned <laughs> up and I just got sent home straight away. Right. Um, I worked at the... Because I went to Union Cardiff. Um, I worked at the Millennium Stadium serving yep. hot dogs. In one of those like little fast food hot dog yeah, stands no, exactly at a football match during half time. I washed up dishes. Nice. Um, Whereabouts? In the top floor of a department store whose name I've forgotten, but they had like a they had like a meal, like a big kind of fancy meal, and I'd worn trainers. <laughs> Because I, I didn't have any like smart shoes. Did they give you shit? So I, I was in the kitchen washing up while everyone else did the silver service waiting. Brilliant. So I just did loads of like, and then they give you like a fiver for a taxi home at the end of the night, and you'd inevitably just pocket it. Yeah, walk. obviously. Obviously. And th- those were all like, at uni. Those were all at, at uni. So you had those little pockets of so, yeah, fifty quids. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I suppose then, it wouldn't have even been then that much. Then, probably would it? wasn't. It would have been like thirty. Really, yeah, it wasn't. Thanks for pointing out how long ago it was. <laughs> no, that's, that's not my. <laughs> but I was, I was always trying to like be a be a, a presenter, a radio DJ, yeah, a, a club DJ. So I was, I was pretty lucky. My third year, I did actually start DJing in a local club. Yeah, did you did your did your did Cardiff Uni have a radio station? Yes, I was station manager in my third year as well. Awesome. So I was like, was that a lot of fun? Yes. I mean, it was quite a, quite a lot of work. Oh really? We yeah, we I, I put a lot into it. We. We got nominated for um, Station of the Year at the Student Radio okay. Awards that year, so awesome. I'm pretty proud of that. Was it quite a lot of managerial? Yeah, uh, just making sure th- that's just making sure things like the studio wasn't disgusting and people switched yeah. to automation and locked up when they were lasher than I. Yeah, and we used to do like weekly or monthly club nights, like acoustic nights, sorry, in, in the student pub and like special events and things like that, and that's like um, like every, tw- every I think. Twice a year, you did like um, two weeks on air, so you got uh, yeah. an RSL to broadcast to. That's a Cardiff. great way to spend your time, though. Yeah, it was good, yeah, especially at uni, because you're doing something where you can get a job out of the experience you're having fun with there. Yeah, 
and it's far more fun than your course. Yeah, which absolutely. is like I, I don't remember any of that now. What did he do? Jur- journalism. Yeah, <laughs> journalism from abroad. So it all works. So, yeah, all I know. Works but I mean, I don't really. It turns out knowing about the reporting of the Vietnam War really didn't play much into my future career interviewing pop bands by the side of stages at festivals. Yeah. <laughs> Straight after uni, did you go into music stuff? Um, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Mm. Was that a steady, steady transition? So I was already DJing when I was at uni. Um, so like, as soon as I left, I just kept on the DJ sets. Yeah. And I did like loads of work experience. And you were getting paid for those DJ sets? Yeah, I was getting paid to DJ. Awesome. Because that paid That's my rent. That's a dream. Yeah. You thought, you're joking, that pay, it paid your rent, DJing? Yeah, it paid That's my rent. That's sick, mate. So it was like, just like, that's the stable Basically, support. you're rocking out for rent. Yeah. Had a bit of student loan that I'd kept back because I'd done a bit of work as well. So I was okay. I don't do, think like, anyone experience. else has ever kept some of their student loan. Really? Because <laughs> I, well, I got did student it. loan, but then I had a job as well. I didn't but, have a like, job. No, exactly. Smashed it. Yeah. <laughs> just, just saw the future. It's like, you know, need, need a bit of dough when I no graduate. <laughs> uh, you did loads of work experience, XFM, a bit of Radio 1. That was all unpaid. Yeah, um, I think XFM that, that's quite expenses. good to get on to internships and, and schemes at Radio One. That's that's I've looked at those applications before, and the vetting process is, is pretty. They are now, but that was this was um, this sort of predated it, I suppose. Or like I just kind of stuck me in through the back door. I won a week's work experience. I won a student radio award for best interview. Nice. So they gave me a week's work that's experience awesome. on Newsbeat. Cool. And I was like, I'm really sorry, but I. I interviewed Gweno from the Pipettes. <laughs> it's not really newsbeat fodder. Like, I did yeah. about half a day there before that. I just, just didn't, I just didn't really care for the news that much or current events. And I said, can, you, can I just go downstairs and work in the specialist office? And they were like, yeah, cool. So That's I just went awesome. and worked on like some Hugh Stevens and Rob DeBank stuff. And That's that was great. great way to get get down there to yeah get, to get into just sort of back door back door i was in the building so i just went can i just go one floor down and then started being like hip tipster on hugh's show back in cool. the day well you're a a, a tastemaker tastemaker yeah but what, still yeah. did part-time jobs on i mean the dj didn't cover just before everything. i started pressing record mm. that um as well as driving around leaflets all around south wales you were working <laughs> in a in a studio yeah well i did i did what did i do but the leaflets, that was like one of those weird little part-time things. I just got a car. My mum gave me her old Ford Fiesta if I said I'd pay for like the MOT and that because it was on its last legs. Good deal. Yeah, so the first car I had, and then it's, uh, I'd never driven in a car by myself before. So I picked it up from my parents in the home counties and drove it back down the motorway to Cardiff to start this weird new job the next day. And literally <laughs> never driven on like, a motorway or anything. Absolutely shitting myself. So I was like, just going to sit in slow lane and like try not to die was this I mean, before or after uni then this is after uni yeah this so is so you sort of still knew you still had it in your mind you know you knew the sort of career path that you, yeah. you wanted to go down so this and, it was always going to be slow yeah you know so it's just like just getting extra random well you're getting paid for like, djing yeah that's but, pretty good that's better that's than most I the, the, you know that's like 50 to 100 pound a night yeah so like twice a week sort of covers rent and maybe like you know scrape by on some food but um, not not enough to live you know, not enough yeah. to live off and like so much of the time you would finish DJing and then you would just like 
spend then someone gives you like 60 quid in your pocket in cash yeah. and you're already pissed on a night out yeah, yeah. like you're not going to wake up the next morning with 60 quid yeah. still intact yeah, uh, do you know what I mean absolutely. so it like covered rent if it was desperate but mostly it was covered going out so I still needed extra extra cash so yeah drove around all these weird little schools dropping off flyers drove down some one way streets the wrong way just basically <laughs> learned how to drive in the space of about two weeks and then yeah. well, so I worked in HMV for a Christmas which was horrible um just yes, constantly imagine. telling people where they could find the tape of that album as you're like literally restocking the shelves. They're Do like, you think you played a role in anyone's life when they were like, oh, you know, have you got this record? You, you check it out, out of stock. You'd like to, you know, I think you'd be into this. No, no, it was Christmas. It <laughs> was just people buying the new Take That record yeah. or people asking you where like the end section is and you're like, it's between M and O. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> like, how do you not understand how the yeah, alphabet works? Sure. Then I started, yeah, then I started managing this um, practice room slash rehearsal space, which was a very bizarre thing. Um, it had been set up by a guy that I knew from the drama society at university, and yes. another guy who'd worked in practice spaces before. And I think in their heads it was a cash cow, but it, it just really, really wasn't. Yeah. And they didn't, they, I mean, they employed me to run the business, to manage the whole space. It was like, there were one, there was three practice spaces, three rooms, and then a little lounge area, and then like a kind of like, where my desk was, and there was a little fridge and racks, chocolate bars, and a little tuck shop. So I just sort of, you know, went in every day at like 5.45, set up the PA, gave the floor a hoover, bands would come in, set them up with microphones and that. Any bands then, we would, we wouldn't, we know? Oh, yeah, a lot of bands that you would know, um, if you know anything about sort of <laughs> Welsh, Welsh music. Scene. Well, we yeah. got Bullet for my Valentine. Yeah, we had Bullet, we had Mannix. We had, had Mannix? Mannix Sick. came in to demo some tracks, yeah. How was that? Yeah, I mean, I ne- never saw Nicky Wire. He literally used to stalk in and stalk out. Um, James Dean Bradfield was really lovely. Um, he would always just like sit and have a chat with him. He was fascinated by journalism. He wanted to know loads okay. about my journalism course, but I think I was still... I, just, I think I was still in a place where I thought it was a bit... I thought it felt like I maybe wasted my three years learning something that I didn't need. So I remember us having many conversations about that. And then I thought, what's the drummer called? Sean, I think. I went out and bought him some drumsticks. Nice. Like, half-dipped, so I remember. Half-dipped? You know, when they're, like, black, half of them's like that black kind oh, of... Oh, yeah, 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 I get you. Mm. They were lovely. Yeah, Super Furries, Manix, Bullet. Ooh. Was it quite well to do this talk about space, Kids in Glass Houses. Yeah. Blackout. Yeah, it was a big space. It was really, and the thing is that, that one of the practice rooms got taken over by this guy called Ramesh Denangoda. Yeah. He's like a. Producer. Do you Ramesh? Yeah, I don't yeah. know him personally, but yeah, I know he's, he's a like, producer. Brilliant. He's just finished working on like a Motorhead record or something cool. like that. But he used to produce like all the like kids and Blackout stuff. And, yeah. And he just he rented out a room and then built a recording studio. Maybe there were four rooms at the time. Anyway. Yeah. He built his. He built Long Wave at the back of this rehearsal space. Oh, really? I remember we were sat in the kitchen once and we were like just alone in this giant building and we were like we just sat chatting and it was like how old are you? I'm 21 how old are you? I'm 21 they've left two 21 year olds in charge of this entire business and we just sat there and just burst out laughing that's wicked we were like this is insane that's cool though because I mean like in in my mind, you know, you're not you're not running a, a practice space in the back of a warehouse where just out of necessity. You're you're out. You're you're working in a place that these bands with with quite quite a big 
follow it. And I mean, it would have been great if my job had been like setting up the bands and manning the tuck shop, and the rest of the time I just sat there and wrote articles for. I was writing for Kruger magazine at the time. Kruger, never Kruger. heard of it. It was like a so Mike Williams who edits Enemy now. Yeah, yeah, it's like his know. old thing. He used to be mates in Cardiff before cool. he moved down to London. Um, so it was a really cool like independent magazine. Uh, and just covered loads of new music. So I would just go out and interview people and edit the website and stuff like that. Sounds like you were keeping busy. Yeah, I was pretty busy. I mean, I don't really know how, because I was definitely hung over 90% of that time. Um, they also wanted me to like run the business. Yeah. I said to the guys who owned it many times, I, I've not got a financial background. I'm terrible at maths. Yeah. I don't know how to do your like annual report or like your VAT returns or anything like that. And they're like, oh, it's really simple. You just go on the software and you press these buttons. And I was like, guys, I'm telling you now, I'm doing this wrong. Like, oh So what happened? Did you quit? They went to New York to do some interviews. Interviewed this band called Holy Hail, um, who are like, kind of like, new ravey sort of, that part of that time, kind of indie, like, very, they're very cool. They're very cool, like, New York kind of like, indie dancey indie band mm. and they, they'd done like a tour before the, in the UK with New Young Pony Club and so they were they were coming to tour the UK they, so the guys who edited the magazine met them in New York stayed friends stayed chatting they were coming over to tour the UK and Europe supporting um, this ballet funk trio called Bonje de Holle who was signed to Domino nice. from, um, from Sao Paulo and my friend Dan was chatting to me one day at the pub or something and he was like oh um Holy Hale have had their like funding pool, their drivers dropped out, they can't afford to fly him over. He was like, she's asked me if I want to go on tour because that none of them can drive stick, so they can't drive the van. Yeah. So yeah, I just I left and went and drove a band around Europe for Great. a month. Was that fun? <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. No breakdowns. I didn't know what I was doing and I managed to lose my passport and sat nav on the very first night. Brilliant. Which was great. Did you keep on doing bits, bits and bobs like that after? Well, that's how I came back and I, I thought, actually, it was, we, because um, I hadn't like, advanced the tour or anything like that. It was literally yeah. like, pack your bags, come to London meet the band and then they had like a friend who'd been tour managing the young pony club who was like i'm going to lie to tiger tours and say i'm driving this van and i'm just going to put you down as like a uh, like an extra driver sure and he was like have you driven vans before and i was like no so like, what do you drive i was like ford fiesta <laughs> currently automatic <laughs> he was like yeah do you want to give my van a few laps and I was like thanks yeah we didn't break down I did manage to take so the, the van that we got given was like a super discounted van because it was I think something had happened like the van another van had been stolen from Tiger Tours or something yeah. like that and so this van had like it was like fresh from being a workman's van there was no split in the back of it it was okay. just like okay. they just sort of screwed some seats in yeah. and that was it and it was freezing and it still had like this like bizarre like yellow light on top that you know like kind of like spinny circle one. spinny light yeah, yeah. I always thought that makes you feel quite important when you're in one of those bands <laughs> I mean it was quite a cool feature did that lead into knowing those people being friends with them having like a good relationship well, with them so what happened was um, that we hadn't advanced the tour or anything we tried to we, we drove back from one day I remember driving from Barcelona trying to drive to get the ferry from wow, Calais we went that far we went everywhere. We went, yes, first it was in Stockholm, like down through, um, through Sweden, through Denmark, Germany, Holland, France, Spain. Drove, drove back, like literally, like got got because the whole 
tour had been booked for this this band, Bonjour de Halle, who were like two MCs and a DJ, so they were just getting trains and planes everywhere. But we had like the van with backline. So I think the last date was supposed to be in Portugal, it was supposed to be in Lisbon, and then the next night was supposed to be in Sheffield. <laughs> and we were like, this is impossible. Who the hell does that to us? <laughs> I mean, someone for a band that's jumping on a plane. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. We were like, okay, we'll scrap the Lisbon date, and it will drive from Barcelona back to London, and then the next day London to Sheffield. Oh. We drove yeah, 13 hours straight, Barcelona to Calais, and then got to Calais, and customs like started, you know, want to see your passports, know what you're doing, and then took us into a room. And they got on the band's MySpace page and seen that they had dates after their visas had expired because they they were just on their old tour visas from when they'd been on tour in the summer with New and Pony Club. And they were like, oh, you can't enter the UK until you get new visas because they're American. They're not cheap. No, they're not cheap. And also, I was on a temporary like emergency passport that I picked up in Madrid. <laughs> so I was like, can I stay in Calais with this? Like, will I get back into the UK? And they were like, yeah, yeah, you're fine, you're fine. So I had to go to the embassy in Madrid to get a new passport. Wow. Oh my God, idiot. So we spent like three nights, just got this like horrible little like motorway sort of, you know, like not even like a Formula One, like an even shittier little room in a hotel and like a travel lodge thing. Um, somewhere in just outside Calais, on the outskirts of Calais, and every day we just went and sat in this like one McDonald's using the, because they have free yeah, Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi McDonald's. Yeah. It was so depressing. And um, I got a phone call during that time that I was just stuck in limbo in Calais from Radio 1, from Radio 1 in Wales, saying... Um, we we need a we need someone in the office to come help out. One of our girls has just like been hired by XFM South Wales. Are you free to come in? And I was like, absolutely, one hundred percent. Slight issue stuck in Calais, <laughs> but should be back by Friday. That, that started something new. So, yeah, so I was like, you know, totally ready to embrace the life of a tour manager. Yeah. And my friend my friend Fiona was like a really big tour manager. I think she was doing like hot chip or someone at the time, and she was like, you can charge like eighty pounds a day, like start for this. And I was like, all right, tour, it's the tour life. Uh, yeah, just no. like that, I put on a completely different path. Just went straight down the DJ yeah, radio one. Yes, and McDonald's, the place of dreams. No, <laughs> a McDonald's in Bethune. So that was full time after that then. Um, no, that was still, still like freelance, and then kind of part time. So I did like I've always done little extra things, you know. What what, what does this like entail? What I mean, like office stuff. It was, I mean, it was very junior. It was like music reporting, helping put the show together, like cool. reaching out to artists on MySpace and getting yeah. them to send their tracks over for us to play. The host yeah. was um, Beth and Elvin. So it was right at the start when they started BBC introducing, basically. Cool. Before it had been Bethan and Hugh, and they'd been on the, the Zane Lowe was on Radio One like seven till nine p.m. Yeah. And then on a Thursday at seven thirty, they'd split everything and it would go to the Nation shows. So if you're in Wales, you've got Bethan and Hugh. If you're in Northern Ireland, you've got Rory McConnell. And if you're in Scotland, you've got Vic Galloway. So that's that they, they put a lot of uh, focus, like emphasis in Breeds introducing it mm. at some point. Yeah. Was that the start that of it? That was when it began, 2007, yeah. Oh, wow. So last year was like 10 years of introducing. Cool. Yeah, so it was just there, like, finding the artist. And then James, yeah. who was the assistant producer, he ended up getting on, like, a contract in London working on some other shows so then I like covered his position mm. on, on a sort of like like freelance kind of contract so it was just it was, I just worked up so started like part time in the office yeah. and then full time in the office and then full time with like a permanent job as an assistant producer and then Beth, when Beth Ann the presenter was off sick or away on holiday I'd cover her shows Yeah. and eventually they just gave me the show when they were like revamping Was that still part time? Well, yeah, presenting basically just give you like a wage to do the show. 
So it's like, yeah, it's definitely part time. That was it then. That was your career almost, you know, made. That's yeah. that part of your life, you know. Yeah, and then moved to London, did the show from London, and then Wicked. did the BBC Three star. Yeah. Which was obviously, you know, like an hour a day or two hours a day or whatever. Yeah. So it's like every day, but it's still freelance. And here you are now. And here I am now, back <laughs> doing the same things all over again. I've been working all day for me, mate, on the side. Running around like a blue-ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me, mate. Every bleeding minute I've been on the go. Up and down the ladder like a fiddler's nail bow. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day.